If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 201 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the fifth day of November, the first November episode in the year 2023, and it is late at the time I'm taping right now. I'm only starting at like 7 p.m., So I will still have this episode out to you guys within the next maybe three hours or so. But nonetheless, I am starting a bit later tonight. But I do want to start off the show before we get into anything tonight. Before we get into absolutely anything, I want to say that episode 200 last week was an absolute blast. I had a blast doing it. It was an absolute pleasure to do it. Had so much fun, and I hope you guys had half the fun listening to it that I had doing it. It was just awesome. It really was. Between the usual reflection upon Yapping Yankees history, every time we hit a milestone episode in 200 being the biggest one so far, obviously, and talking about... The playoff progression, of course, and everything latest in Yankees news, obviously, and the social media segment being as good as it always is with you guys just showering me with positivity and comments, which I usually always get. And I'm so lucky to be able to get. I'm so lucky to have such a tightly knit yet still a decent sized and loving listenership like I have. I'm so lucky for each and every one of you. I really am. And I also did something that I had never done before. In the 200-episode history of Yapping Yankees, going back almost four and a half years now, obviously, back to June-ish of 2019, and that was having special guests on the show at the very end for like a 15 to 20-minute, I guess it sort of turned into an interview rather than a social media reply, but I had my amazing girlfriend, Victoria, and my amazing mother in here in the room with me. Usually, they just hear me from the other side of the house with the door closed in my room, just screaming to myself like a psychopath every Sunday. (laughs) But last week they got to come in here at the end of the show and actually be on the show with me, which was awesome. It was so great to have them on. Guys, I know you're listening to this even right now. I want to thank you both for coming on and so many other people who listened. I got great feedback on you guys being on, so they want to thank you as well. But it was so awesome having you two in here with me. Thank you so much. Love you both to death. We will definitely be doing it again. So if you missed that, then be sure to listen back to that on episode 200. If you missed episode 200 at all, go back and listen to it from last week. It was a fun Yapping Yankees episode beyond. More sound effects than ever. The usual comedy and satire that I usually try to have every week on here was just everything that you usually hear and more times 10 pretty much. It was a lot of freaking fun. So if you missed it, please go back and listen to it from last week. But if you did listen to it and... You've hit me up, given me your opinion on it, which a lot of people have. Even people that I didn't even know really listened. Just really, just showered me with 
love and support and positivity and letting me know how great they thought the show was. And it just means the world to me, guys. Thank you so, so much. And even if that ends up being the only episode you ever listened to or listened to going forward, just still, even spending a second of your time listening to me, it still means so much, so, so much. So much that I don't even know which words to use. (laughs) So if that doesn't drive the point home enough, then I don't know what does. But it just means the world to me. It really, really does. I am so lucky, so fortunate to have each and every one of you. And if I'm fortunate enough to be able to do another 200 episodes, then I hope you'll still be here with me along the way. Because if we experience half of the chaos that we have in the first 200, well, then the next 200, (laughs) I don't even want to tempt fate. Who the hell knows what could possibly happen? God only knows I don't even want to begin to tempt fate because we have seen it all these last four and a half-ish years. As I also got done saying last week, how much we have been witness to and how much we've been able to talk about here on the show, Yankees and otherwise, just so much has happened. So much. So who knows what's going to happen going forward and who knows how many episodes Yapping Yankees is going to ultimately have when all is said and done. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. As of now, we're just going to keep going week by week and keep on having the blast that we have every single episode. That's really all we can do. And that's what makes the show great. We're a very good community here in the Yapping Yankees community. And with me trying my damnness to bring you some good, informative, fun, entertaining content every single week, hopefully that just continues to keep up. You keep coming back for more. And we'll just keep this party going. What do you say? That sound good? I think it does. But yes, I wanted to start out saying how much fun and what an experience it was to do episode 200 last week and how great all of you are for all of the positive reception of it and just how much everybody enjoyed it. I myself was very happy with the episode after I was done doing it, which is rare because I think Yapping Yankees is a good show objectively overall. I can objectively, even if it's a project of my own, be very honest, because I'm, I'm very hard on myself. So that's what I mean when I say it's not too often where I'm like really fully happy with the show. Like, yep, that's a banger. I usually don't say that very often, because I'm very hard on myself and my content and what I produce. So last week was really a rarity where I finished my work and I said, you know what? I'm really happy with how this came out, and I'm looking really forward to releasing it and getting people's opinions on how they thought it was. And... That felt really good as someone who is often really hard on themselves and their content and wants nothing but the best out of themselves. I push myself to that degree, sometimes unhealthily, admittedly, but I mean, be it as it may, it was still even a good feeling to just feel like I myself did a good job on it and to hear the positive reception on it just made it even that much better. So just all around, just extremely thankful and happy with episode 200 last week. Thank you all so much for that. And here we are now, the very next week of episode 201, as we are now in November, as the end of the year creeps ever so closer, which is very hard to believe because I still cannot keep any concept of time whatsoever. I just always lose track of it. It just goes by far too quickly. But nonetheless, here we are in November, on November 5th for episode 201, as the Yapping Yankees journey continues on and on. But most importantly, with November 5th, and this is the case for a few days now, ever since the conclusion of it, the World Series has been over for a few days now. 
wrapped up rather quickly. And with that comes the arrival of the offseason. And with that, I also want to give you all another announcement with that. I have been alluding to this for a few weeks now, just so that the announcement wouldn't hit you just out of absolutely nowhere and completely blindside you. But I did remind you guys that I would be doing the same thing this offseason that I did last offseason when I went to a bi-weekly format. I did every single week in the offseason for the first three years or so that I did this show. But... You know, with the episodes, with there being so many now, and with the offseason naturally having less content, and I just do so much work throughout my week between working five days a week and then doing this on Sundays, which I very much love doing. Again, I want to stress that, like I always do. I have a very fun time doing Yappin' Yankees, but I also like to very much value the time that I have with my loved ones, with my family, on the weekends when I usually don't have as much time, and I like to spend that time. And Sundays are usually a day to do that. Usually whenever people ask me, oh, when do you come out with your show? I say Sundays. say, you do work on Sundays? A lot of people tell me that. I'm like, yeah, I have fun doing it. It's not really that much work for me. But also, I do like to spend time with my loved ones and take a full Sunday sometimes when I otherwise can't. And for most of the rest of the week, basically the entirety of the rest of the week, except for Saturday mostly, I am working very hard. (laughs) So... You know, I I like to take some relaxing time, especially in the off-season when there's not as much content. So I've explained myself with this before. I don't need to keep doing it again. Yet, I just did. Anyway, so I'll be returning to that bi-weekly format that I started last winter and start doing every other week. And that's going to start now since the World Series is over and the full official off-season has begun for everyone as of basically this past week. So with that starting... So too does the bi-weekly format for Yapping Yankees. So next Sunday, I will not be doing a show. The following Sunday, I will be. The following Sunday after that, I won't. The following Sunday after that, I will. You get the idea. Now, the only time in which this format does not stick to that is in the event that something massive happens with the Yankees. So let's say, not saying it's going to happen, just a pipe dream, but let's say that This coming week, even though I'm not planning on doing an episode next Sunday, the 12th, I think it'll be. Yeah, the 12th. If something major happens like the Yankees sign Bellinger, or the Yankees trade for Soto, or the Yankees sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto from Japan, something like that happens, usually, and I did do this last winter as well, especially when Judge was brought back and Rizzo was re-signed and they signed Rodon and everything like that. When something major like that takes place, then I come back the very next week to do an episode because there is something major to cover, naturally. So in that event, I come back the very next week. But otherwise, if nothing major is to happen, then I stick to that format until spring training begins, and then I return to my weekly format. It went well last year. I'm going to give it another shot now and see how it goes. So I just wanted to remind you guys, as I have been alluding to for a few weeks now, just as a gentle reminder, that that will now begin officially as of now, with the offseason being in full throttle. And that'll begin just today, doing an episode today, and then it'll start up next week when I don't do one next Sunday, and then so on and so forth. You get the idea. So just a heads up that that'll be beginning starting now, and it'll officially be taking full force next Sunday. And we'll go from there. But there will probably be some weeks because I expect, you know, loosely expect when it comes to the Yankees. But I do expect at least one big thing to happen this (laughs) offseason. And if it happens on a week where I was planning on taking off, 
then you very well may be hearing from me some weekends, you know, two weekends in a row. It might happen. But we shall see what takes place this offseason. But with the offseason also now officially arriving, it is time to, as the episode title says, get down to business. Because with everything officially being done, with the World Series being completed, that means free agency begins, you start to hear of players being cut from rosters, you start to hear of awards starting to get more intense, more nominees, you start to hear about some winners coming out. I believe tonight there are going to be gold glove results. I think I saw on Twitter from some people that Anthony Volpe, who we spoke about already, was a gold glove finalist. There's some whispers out there that he did, in fact, win the gold glove. I don't have 100% confirmation on that as of yet. I believe it's going to be coming on now, which is why I also have the TV on right next to me as of now, because I'm pretty sure the winners should be announced tonight, but I'm pretty sure I think I saw Joe's McFly with John Boy Media. Pretty sure Joe's McFly said that he believes Volpe won the gold glove. I don't know if he has sources. He probably does. Um, It wouldn't be the first time that he and others at John Boy have given an announcement before it's officially announced from beat reporters and whatnot, but so that could very well happen if Volpe does. That'd be awesome, winning a gold glove in his rookie season. That'd be epic. I do know that a lot of other people would probably have a problem with that because, you know, I could hear a lot of other people saying that Carlos Correa and Corey Seager, the other finalists, were better, but I mean, Volpe did tie for the American League lead among shortstop with 16 DRS, defensive run save. That's a big stat right there. So, I mean, it's going to be close either way. There are definitely going to be people with problems with it, no matter who's announced. I mean, that's really the story of most things in life, honestly. (laughs) You're never going to get absolutely everybody to believe that the right choice was picked in any given thing. You're usually never going to get 100% of everybody agreeing with something. That's just part of life. So... Regardless, whoever wins it amongst the three, they're all great, and they are all deserving. If Volpe were to win it, though, obviously not just because he's a Yankee, but also he's just, he's a rookie, and he'd be winning a gold glove in his first season after showing the defensive skills that he has so early in his career. That'd be epic. That'd be awesome. And on a personal level as a Yankee fan, of course, I'd be overjoyed for him as well. So we'll see when the official results come out, but if Joe's McFly ends up being correct, then... Volpe is the gold glove winner for shortstop in his rookie season, so that's absolutely incredible. As we also know, the other Yankee that was up for a gold glove, as I announced a week or two ago, was Anthony Rizzo for first base. So we'll see what ends up happening there. There's really nothing from anybody at John Boy Media or otherwise on that. I don't see Rizzo winning that one. I'd be surprised if he did. But if the Yankees still manage to bring home a gold glove from anywhere, that's awesome. But... Back to my original point. With the offseason being here, usually this is one of the first things that happens. Announcements of free agents and people being cut from teams, put on waivers, being released, whatever, the whole nine yards, and awards, nominees, winners. This is usually the very beginning of the offseason. We've seen a lot of this begin to unfold already here in the first full week, really. So a lot of this has already gotten underway, but... With the World Series being concluded, I guess I should wrap up the end of that because when we last spoke last week for episode 200, the World Series was in the midst of going on. I had to catch everybody up on the Yapping Yankees coverage of the playoffs, just the brief coverage from the prior two weeks because I had missed the week prior on October 22nd. So we had to catch up on most of the CSs and everything in the first two games of the World Series, which is where we were at. But this week, it's not going to be as much because there are only three other games to cover. When we spoke last week on episode 200, 
they were waiting on Game 3 because last Sunday was the off day, the traveling day, as they headed over to Arizona after Games 1 and 2 in Texas where the series was tied at 1. Where we stand now, of course, with the World Series being over, we now know that Texas won in 5. I had my prediction being Texas in 6. So Texas got it done one game sooner than I had predicted, but I got the opponent right yet again. I did that quite a few times in this postseason, so I'm proud of that, but I'm pretty sure I didn't get a game count right at one point. I think I did say Astros either sweep or four at the most, but I definitely did have four games as a legitimate possibility in the first round, so I guess I could mostly give myself credit for that, if anything, as far as game count. But, you know, win some, lose some, as it always happens in life, and as they say in My Cousin Vinny, as the great Joe Pesci says to the late great Fred Gwynn. But anyway, so the World Series had quite the conclusion to it. I did think that the Rangers finished it earlier than I originally thought. I thought the Diamondbacks would win at least two. I did have the Rangers winning in six. But one thing was, when this was beginning, and we were talking last week after the first two games were done, and the Diamondbacks had shocked me speechless as many times as they did, as I said. A big part of me was saying, should I finally just believe in the Diamondbacks and say that they will win? Should I have the voice in my head convince me to believe in the Diamondbacks by saying, hey, you haven't believed in them in one single round, so don't you think you finally should? Well, I chose not to listen to that voice and said, you know what? I still think, I still think that the Rangers are going to win this round and this will be finally when the Diamondbacks lose. And I'm going to stick to my gut on that. And I'm glad I did. Because yes, it wouldn't have been completely outrageous to believe in the Diamondbacks because of all the incredible feats they've accomplished up to this point throughout each and every round, being the Brewers, annihilating the Dodgers, defeating the Phillies when down 3-2 going back to Philadelphia for 6-7. and seven. I mean, my God, you had every reason to believe they could pull off another. But I just had a feeling to me, man, the Rangers, I don't know. And it ended up being correct. Game count may have not have been correct, but the team choice was correct, and I'm glad that I ultimately stuck to my guns and went with the Rangers. They won in five games, and they did it convincingly so in Arizona because they were so good on the road, undefeated, as a matter of fact, in this postseason on the road. Absolutely incredible when you think about that. They started off by embarrassing the Rays in Tropicana Field in the wild card round, then they defeated Baltimore in all games in Baltimore in the DS. Then they won every single game in Houston in the CS. And then they won all three in Arizona in the World Series. So they never lost a game on the road in the entire postseason. Holy crap! That's right, Frank Perona. Holy crap is definitely appropriate there. But remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. When, he had, when we had spoken last... Again, the series was tied at one. Rangers, again, were not playing too great at home as they had shown the tendency to do before, much like the Astros. So I guess both Texas teams were not a big fan of playing at home this year. But they managed to notch that walk-off in Game 1, and they got absolutely killed 9-1 to in Game 2. Well, then Monday, after having Sunday off, Monday they returned, and they were able to defeat the Diamondbacks, quite simply, 3-1. to and I was nervous about this game because the series tied at one on the road, even though I know the Rangers play better on the road. They had Scherzer pitching, and Scherzer obviously has not looked good for a long time now. He's very much looking like, you know, 
a legend at the end of his career, quite frankly. And he would only end up going three innings, not allowing any runs, two hits, two walks, and one strikeout. It's not the best to control again, but he didn't allow any runs. But he had to leave the game with another injury, an oblique injury this time. And I I just think it's time for the guy to retire. I've been very vocal about that. No disrespect to him. I just think he's at the end of his rope. So he had to leave the game and obviously be removed from the World Series roster after getting this oblique injury. And then John Gray took over after that. And, I mean, he looked fantastic. Three innings of no runs, shutout baseball, three strikeouts, looked really good, and then the Rangers' bullpen took care of the rest after that. The only run allowed by them was on a run scored off Chapman in the eighth inning. Big shocker there. And the Rangers, quite simply put, scored all three of their runs in the top of the third on a Marcus Semien RBI single and a Corey Seager two-run shot. Final score, 3-1. So the Rangers go up 2-1, to one, heading into Game 4. And Game 4 was a doozy because, well, I mean, it was... Quite the murder. Diamondbacks made it a little bit interesting at the end by scoring six runs in the final two innings, four in the eighth and two in the ninth. But otherwise, the Rangers jumped out to a 10-0 lead by the time the third inning was over. So again, murder. And just also shove this in the Yankees' faces if there wasn't enough. Marcus Semyon and Corey Seager, two guys who the Yankees both passed on in those elite shortstop classes in the past two offseasons. You have Jordan Montgomery over there. You have Roldis Chapman over there who could kick rocks as far as I'm concerned. But you also have Mr. Andrew Heaney over there who is very easy to forget about because he was a torture sentence with the Yankees. But not been too bad now, of course, because that's always the way it goes with the Yankees and pitchers. Five innings of one-run ball. Got the win on the day. So Andrew Heaney starting a World Series game and getting a W for the Rangers. That stings real good. And the final score after all that scoring, just in the second and third innings, wild pitch resulting in their first run, two-run triple for Marcus Semyon, two-run shot by Corey Seager, and then in the third inning, Travis Jankowski, two-run double, Marcus Semyon, three-run homer. So just a bunch of crap happening for the Rangers. Before you knew it, 10 nothing. final score, after the Diamondbacks made it slightly interesting at the end, but it was obvious they weren't winning the game, was 11-7. to So just an absolute, especially for most of the first part of the game, murder in Game 4. And it was really starting to be pretty apparent as to who the better team was in this series, and I was feeling even better about my prediction at this point. I was saying, oh, maybe they'll push it 6, but hey, the Rangers, I, I felt like at this point in time they were going to finish it in Game 5, and they ended up doing it. Rangers in six was my prediction beforehand, but especially after game four, I was like, all right, they're probably going to do it in five. And they did. And in game five, they would win 5 nothing. ironically enough. Nathan Nivaldi started the game, another former Yankee, so just keep piling them up, guys. <laughs> keep piling them up. 5-0 and in the offseason with an ERA under three. More salt for the wound. Went six innings, allowed four hits and five walks, five strikeouts, didn't have his best, His command was a bit off, but hey, six shutout innings. He still did his job. Got out of a ton of jams. Bunch of times there was runners on second and third or just on third and less than two outs, and he always got out of it. Just amazing. Really amazing. But the Diamondbacks had an impressive performance on their end as well because Zach Gallen started the game for them, and Gallen took a no-hitter all the way into the seventh inning when he allowed his first run of the game 
on a Mitch Garver RBI single. So that was really amazing to watch, seeing a no-hitter going to the seventh inning of a World Series game. That was epic. But the Rangers scored that one run. The Diamondbacks hadn't scored anything. Evaldi kept them off the board. The Rangers' bullpen did the same to follow. And then in the ninth inning, the Rangers made it very clear who was winning this game by scoring four more insurance runs on a two-run single by Jonah Heim and then a two-run homer by an amped-up, rightfully so, Marcus Semien made it 5-0. That was the final. Rangers, for the first time in their 63-year history, winning the World Series in 2023. So the Texas Rangers, for their first time ever, are your World Series champions in 2023. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to all the superstars they have getting a ring, whether it's their first or not. As far as former Yankees, congratulations to Evaldi. Congratulations to Montgomery. Aroldis Chapman, especially after giving up on your team straight up, you can go count sand as far as I'm concerned. And Andrew Heaney, I don't have any ill will towards him. He came in here and stunk to high heaven. But he definitely didn't have the attitude and the dislikable qualities that Chapman had. So I'm guessing pretty neutral on him. But congratulations to basically everybody who was a Yankee in the past and... You know, especially someone like Montgomery, who didn't have the best of things said about them, wasn't really in postseason plans as far as the Yankees were concerned, yet goes over there and does what he did this postseason. Again, more salt for the wound. But nonetheless, still congratulations to everybody, and even the non-Yankees. Congratulations to them all. They deserve it. They had a hell of a run, man. And they, they ran past all the best. I mean, they beat the Rays, 98-win team. They beat the Baltimore Orioles, over 100 wins. They beat the Astros. They beat the American League's best. And then they beat the team who shocked everybody in the National League. And they won the World Series. So you know what? Good for them. They deserve it. They made it past the best and find themselves on top in the end. So good for the Texas Rangers and good for their fans. I know some of their fans have been pretty insufferable on social media lately, but hey, you know what? They're allowed to be for a little bit. They just won their first World Series, got to experience it for the first time ever. So good for them. Let them have their fun for now. Obviously, 2024, it all resets. We all get to go at it again, as we do every year. The cycle repeats. But for now, pretty crazy end to the World Series. And again, it was pretty apparent, especially as the series went along beyond Game 2. It was pretty apparent who the better team was. So the better team wins, as they often do. And that's that, guys. Rangers in five. Offseason begins. That's that. So only three games to really go over. And it wasn't even really competitive for the most part in the final three games. So that is that, my friends. Baseball's gone in 2023. Here we are yet again. Another offseason, another winter of no baseball. I'm not ready. I'm very sad. But then again, I'm always very sad at this point in time, and I'm never ready for baseball to fully leave me, regardless of the amount of pain the Yankees may have caused me throughout that prior season. It doesn't matter. Baseball still means that much to me, and I'm still just as sad to see it go, and that much more eager to get it back in the following year. So here we go again, guys. Another offseason. But with the offseason officially being here, as I said before, that also means it is time more than ever. 
to get down to business, even more so than we already have, because we have had plenty of discussion about our desires, what we realistically expect to actually happen in reality. We have all spoken about a lot of it, nearly all of it. But we can always continue, especially as rumors continue to heat up as the offseason progresses. We can always continue to talk more about and go even further into detail than we did prior, and that's what we'll continue to do as the weeks go along here, including today. And with that being said, that kind of discussion continues as we go into what happened news-wise this past week. So why don't we get into Yankees news? And we'll start off with what we talked about a little bit before when it comes to awards, especially because of what officially came over the line to me just now on Twitter. It's now officially everywhere because it's literally happening in live time because of the time I'm taping right now. But Anthony Volpe does officially appear to be the gold glove winner at shortstop. Obviously, as there always is in life in general, like I always say, there will be people that disagree with this. There will be people that are unhappy about this. But nonetheless, you've still got to appreciate Anthony Volpe for everything he accomplished at shortstop in his rookie season in the major leagues, especially specifically from a Yankees standpoint, because everybody being hurt as often as they were and all the injuries the Yankees had to endure. Anthony Volpe was actually a picture of consistency and health because the guy played nearly 160 games, 159, if I'm not mistaken. I will extra confirm that right now. But he was always out there and he was always giving it his all out there. His range was really good. His arm was the only thing that at times was like, oh, it was a little bit inaccurate or, you know, and had you question, yep, 159. I was right. But anyways... His arm would be a bit off. Maybe his arm strength is maybe a little bit short at times. Had to be saved over at first sometimes. But hey, that happens often. Part of a first baseman's job is saving bad throws from their fellow infielders because it happens every now and again, whether it be on a great attempted play or on just a regular throw, honestly. Happens a lot. And a good deal of the time he was picked up. So his range, though, and his athleticism out there, it is definitely deserving of an award of this caliber, and I couldn't be happier for him could not be happier. Even being a nominee in your rookie season, as it is, is beyond awesome. So congratulations to Anthony Volpe for, in his rookie season, winning a gold glove. Yes, an applause is definitely warranted here. There you go. Nice round of applause for Anthony Volpe. More than deserved for the kid. 22 years old wins a gold glove, baby. There you go. So we'll just have to see what happens with Anthony Rizzo at first base. Again, I don't see him winning, but nonetheless, the Yankees have brought home at least one gold glove winner in 2023 amidst all the pain that we had to experience in this disgraceful 82-win season, especially given the expectations coming in. And just as a fun fact on a little extra detail as far as gold gloves are concerned, the other finalists around the diamond... On the rest of the field for the rest of the American League, first base, Anthony Rizzo, obviously, in his competition is Nathaniel Lowe on the Rangers, just recently a world champion. Congratulations to him, obviously. And Ryan Mountcastle is the other one for the Orioles, of course. At second base, you have Mauricio Dubon. He is the reigning American League Gold Glove winner at second base. We'll see if he wins again. You have Andres Jimenez and Marcus Semien. Third base, Alex Bregman, Matt Chapman, Jose Ramirez. Shortstop, well, we know the winner now is Anthony Volpe. His competition was Seager and Correa, or were Seager and Correa. And left field, you have Austin Hayes, Stephen Kwan, and Dalton Varsho. In center field, you have Kevin Kiermeyer, Luis Robert Jr., and Julio Rodriguez. And right field, you have Alex Verdugo, Kyle Tucker, and Adolis Garcia of the Rangers, who, by the way, also did end up 
removed from the World Series roster with an oblique injury, similarly to Max Scherzer. Both removed from the World Series roster with oblique injuries. So it'd be pretty cool if amidst winning the World Series and also having to suffer the unfortunate fate of ultimately having to be removed from the World Series roster, it would be cool for Garcia to at least take home a gold glove for right field. So that's really what's going on around the rest of the field for the American League gold glove finalists. So we'll see what takes place there. But as of right now, once again, rookie Anthony Volpe brings home a gold glove for the New York Yankees in 2023. Some more awards news. The Roberto Clemente Award winner has been announced, and it is none other than Yankee captain Aaron James Judge. Obviously, this award goes to the player with the highest honor of sportsmanship and community involvement. Who better than Aaron Judge with his All Rise Foundation and respect overall on and off the field? Who better, honestly? It is a very respected and prestigious award to win. So definitely a very big deal. Aaron Judge winning the Roberto Clemente Award, a huge award to win. Congratulations to Aaron Judge. Could not think of someone more deserving. Awesome job. Love it. Silver Slugger finalists. Silver Slugger, I did allude to that being another award. Obviously, throughout the many years I've been doing this show, of course, the Silver Slugger finalists were announced, and the Yankees do have a couple of guys who are in on this. Silver Sluggers are awesome to win. They're definitely a hot topic in the awards discussions each and every year, as we know. And the Yankees do have a couple of guys in on this. First off being, once again, Captain Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres. Obviously, Glaber being in on this is very nice. I love that. Glaber was a picture of consistency and positivity in an otherwise completely, more or less, negative season for the Yankees being in there the entire time and contributing as best as he possibly could for an otherwise suffering and highly disappointing, highly injured Yankees team in 2023. Glaber was there right in the middle of it being a source of very rare positivity and doing a great job at that, putting up some great numbers, especially for a second baseman. So he definitely deserves to be there. And Aaron Judge, despite the time that he missed, I mean, he was on pacing, and a 162-game pace has still put up some unbelievable home run numbers this year. Obviously did not quite play up to what we know he could in certain other offensive aspects, but nonetheless, he still did a fine job for when he did play, so I'm totally fine with him being a Silver Slugger finalist, honestly. So those are the two for that. And when it comes to the Players' Choice Awards, the American League Outstanding Pitcher of the Year was voted to be Mr. Garrett Cole. So congratulations to Cole on that. His very own peers voting him to be the outstanding pitcher of the year. That is awesome. Definitely a lot of respect going on around the sport, obviously, for Garrett Cole. He was the best the American League had to offer this year. Has been a top arm in the game for years. So it is awesome to see him bring home this award. And I think we all know which one is up next for him. Just right around the corner, the Cy Young Award. We're just basically waiting on what we already know to be the truth, of course. Him being the American League Cy Young Award winner, I cannot await until that is officially announced. And before long, we will get to hear them say that he is, in fact, the American League Cy Young. Of course, unless, of course, the writers end up pulling some of the crap that they have in the past with many other awards voting. But nonetheless, I think it is 
very apparent to the point where anything other than this would just be nothing short of just an absolute atrocity. I'm pretty sure that Garrett Cole is the American League Cy Young Award winner, so just waiting on that. But in the meantime, it is still cool to hear that his fellow peers, his fellow players, pitchers and otherwise, voted him to be the American League Outstanding Pitcher of the Year. So that is the latest in awards news, my friends. As of now, at the time I'm taping here on Sunday night, November 5th. And as this night goes on, of course, and you'll be knowing a lot of these names by the time this episode comes out, the Gold Glove Awards will continue to be announced for even more positions than the ones I mentioned as well, including pitcher, catcher, utility, and whatnot. So there are other positions other than the main ones I mentioned before. So those will continue to be announced as the night goes on. But as of right now, at this moment, that is all for awards news. As far as specific Yankees roster news outside of awards, such as Volpe winning the Gold Glove, With the World Series being over, this was immediately announced that IKF, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Zach McAllister, Keenan Middleton, Frankie Montas, Wandy Peralta, Luis Severino, and Luke Weaver are now all officially free agents. And honestly, I'm fine with them parting ways with just about each and every single one of them. Luke Weaver, no need. Luis Severino, I have accepted for a long time that we had seen the last of him in Yankee pinstripes. I'd be baffled if we saw otherwise, honestly. Wandy Peralta, I'd consider bringing back, but probably going to have to pay him more money. And if that money can be allocated elsewhere to actually help the team, then I'd be okay with seeing Peralta go. Even though Peralta had his you know, fair share of good moments as a Yankee, he definitely did out of the bullpen. So out of all of them, I'd say I'd be most okay with him coming back, but I even expect him to not, but we'll see. Could be wrong. Also, Frankie Montas, I have almost never been more okay with letting anybody else walk away than I am him in my entire life. The Yankees could end up bringing him back on a one-year prove-it deal for some reason, just based off of one inning of relief that we saw of him in the last couple of days of the season in 2023. And if they just happen to not really find anybody else and be able to bring him back for cheap... They might consider bringing him back. I mean, I don't think it would work out if if they chose to, but I don't know. I'm fine with letting him walk. Keenan Middleton, I guess you could bring him back for the bullpen if you want, but I, I don't really care to. It's fine if they let him walk. Zach McAllister don't really care. And IKF, especially if you really plan on having guys like Peraza and Cabrera and guys like Pereira and other guys, you if you intend on having any of these players being a part of the team in 2023 to start the season, you have utility options here. There really is no place for IKF, especially not one who will cost as much as him. You don't need to be spending another $6-7 million on a utility guy when you have much younger and more talented overall people who could be taking that mantle of utility as well. There's just no need to have him around at that point. So at that point, you let him walk. So... That's why I say here, I'm just about okay with pretty much everybody here just taking a walk. Luke Weaver couldn't care less. So it's just, I don't care. Let them all walk. Let them walk. If you want to bring back one or two and have reason for it, like I said, especially someone like Peralta. So it's, I'd be okay with it, but we'll see what happens. Just about okay with any of those though. But this is officially... The list of free agents as of now with the World Series officially being over. Like I said, this is one of the first things that happened right out of the gates. The list of every team's free agents. Automatically known because their contracts are officially up. If this was in fact the last or only year 
on each of their respective contracts. So it's immediately known, and that's the list for the Yankees. When it comes to the wavering, which I also mentioned before, that was also made aware to the public what the Yankees are doing. It was announced that Domingo Herman, Jimmy and Franchi Cordero, Billy McKinney, Ryan Weber, and Matt Bowman were all wavered. So they are now officially off of the roster and will either become free agents or claimed by other teams. So Domingo Herman appears to be done here, unless in the event he becomes a free agent and is signed back for some reason. Then he would come back, but he could very well be claimed by somebody else, like everybody else here could. And I'm mostly okay with this, because there's really nobody here that I have a deep-rooted attachment to. Matt Bowman, mostly in the minor leagues, of course, and when he came up, he definitely imploded at certain points out of that bullpen, so I'm I'm fine with that, I guess. Then you got Billy McKinney. I don't really have that much of an attachment to him. He had about two minutes of really elite hitting. <laughs> definitely made his share of mistakes out in the outfield, too. Jimmy Cordero, I, that just ended horribly with all the stuff that came out about him in his personal life and his domestic life. I'm totally fine with letting him go. Franchi Cordero, again, another guy who had about Two minutes of elite hitting at the very beginning of the season. We thought he was basically the Yankees' savior when they started to run out of options, but that quickly just absolutely fell off a cliff. And it ended up just being a head-stratcher as to what in the hell he was still doing on the 40-man after a short amount of time. But he made it through the entire season on it, and even being in the major leagues for a chunk of it when the Yankees really had nowhere else to turn. So he's he's officially been waived, and Domingo Herman, I... I get it. It's just absolutely crazy when you think about it. This guy pitched a perfect game this past year, which served as basically one of very few happy moments of the entire season for the Yankees, and the first in a lot of years. And and now he's just waved. (laughs) I mean, the Yankees have been through the ringer with this guy. Between his inconsistency as a pitcher, obviously the domestic violence, and then the fact that he ended the remainder of the season last month or two or so, give or take, having to not be a part of the team anymore because of having alcohol problems, being an alcoholic, and admitting himself for help, which I suppose is admirable. But, And I hope he is getting the help he needs, but needless to say, the Yankees have really been through it with this guy in every single way. So I totally get it. I'm not going to be bothered if he doesn't return. Ryan Weber little surprised about it. I do hope he comes back because even though he's, you know, he did unfortunately have to miss the last couple of months because he had his elbow issue and he was trying to get a lot of medical opinions as to whether or not he should get Tommy John surgery and then it seemed like he opted against it and, and his doctors told him he didn't have to get it. Still working his way back. Who knows when he could even come back if he could. That's really kind of up in the air right now, especially considering the fact he was just waived. But nonetheless... In the bullpen appearances he had with the Yankees, he was pretty good. (laughs) He was really good. I'll never forget in Toronto, one of the first times he came in, he just went out there and got out of a big jam convincingly, got Vlad Guerrero Jr. out and was grinning, just like really alpha energy right there. And I really appreciated that. I don't know. He just really seemed to be good. So we'll see what comes of Ryan Weber. I am curious if he can still get around this injury whether or not he can still get around it without Tommy John surgery. And if he does, who he'll be pitching for at that point, whether it's the Yankees, if he hits free agency and the Yankees choose to bring him back or whatever happens, I don't know. 
But nonetheless, I did have my moments where I very much enjoyed Ryan Weber. And a lot of appearances where he got them out of big trouble, a lot of the fan base would go on social media, including myself jokingly and partially serious because it was really epic, some of the jams he got out of throughout time, saying Ryan Weber the legend, Ryan Weber the god. Like, he was just epic sometimes. I don't really know. So, we'll see what comes of Ryan Weber after being waived. But really, out of all these names, he's honestly the one that I have the deepest attachment to, if we're being really honest. So, that's the latest of the Yankees free agents and also the ones waived and officially off the roster as of the end of the World Series and the start of the offseason, guys. And that's really what happened in Yankees news this past week. And as the beginning of the offseason progresses, I'm sure there'll be even more roster news, especially if they happen to bring back any of these guys or if anybody else picks them up or what have you. We'll see. We'll see what continues to happen with these guys and potentially other external names, potential other moves that could be made, which we have spoken at length about already at the start of this offseason with the Yankees already having been out of it for weeks. But now the full offseason kicking in for everybody just a few days ago, and we'll continue to do it. But really all that's left to do today, guys, actually a shorter episode today on a bit of a shorter side, especially compared to last week, the almost two-hour marathon of episode 200, which makes me even more grateful to those who actually sat down and listened to the whole thing, even if it wasn't fragments. But compared to that, this is going to be a much shorter episode, and thankfully so, because, you know, it is the off-season. Naturally less content and... People are probably not going to sit here and listen to almost two hours worth of content when there's not even any baseball around. And I don't really blame you, so (laughs) let's keep on moving right along, guys. We have hit on just about everything that is needed to be hit on today so far. So let's wrap this up nice and neatly with a bow, as always. Finally, lastly, but not least, as always, with the social media segment. And for this week, I had a QA. and a you ask, I answer. It's been a little while since we've done this again. Had a lot of open-ended questions for you guys lately, so I figured, why not give you guys the floor this week, the week after the big episode 200? So, we're just going to go through some questions. Go through anywhere from like 5 to 10 of them, like always. See some of the things you guys had to ask me. And if any other news comes out about the gold gloves in the meantime, I will continue to address it. But still, man, I'm really happy about Volpe. So cool that any Yankee won a gold glove this year. Nonetheless, the Yankees' rookie shortstop and being the first Yankee rookie ever to win a gold glove. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but in case I didn't, that is another fun fact, guys. And you can even see it on the Yankees' Twitter account. First Yankees rookie to ever win a gold glove. That is epic. And if Rizzo happens to win one for first base, I'll also let you know about that. But I don't think he's going to. We'll see. But for now, I'm just going to continue to be absolutely overjoyed about Anthony Volpe and keep on watching these highlight reels of his epic shortstop plays throughout 2023. That's what I'm going to keep doing. But also, I will address the Q&A, as I said I would do. So, let's start with... Who is first up here? We'll start with Rebecca at Peace Now for Life saying, In your opinion, what would the perfect offseason for the Yankees be? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Well, I've been very vocal about the fact that I think they need to add to the starting rotation because outside of Garrett Cole, there are a lot of question marks. So I think Yamamoto from Japan, who should be officially posted since he's made his final 
postseason start in Japan. Did anybody see that? I think he threw like 138 pitches in his last start, and I think he had a couple of shaky postseason starts as well, so people were starting to call him a playoff choker and whatnot, but then he had this start and proved that freaking wrong. And they said it was his last start, so he should be posted pretty soon if he isn't already, and when he is, the Yankees, I know a lot of other teams are going to be making runs at him as well, as they should be. But the Yankees should definitely be at the top of that list. They definitely could afford to bring him in and have him be a solid addition to an otherwise mysterious rotation, I would call them right now. Because outside of Garrett Cole, there are a lot of question marks. Who the hell knows what to expect of Rodon next year after his first disgraceful season as a Yankee on a six-year deal? Luis Severino is probably not coming back. Nestor Cortez is even a big question mark because he spent the majority of the season injured, and when he wasn't injured, he clearly regressed. You also have Clark Schmidt, possibly, but who knows how he'll be over the course of a full season, and he obviously started last year really tough in 2023. It was tough for a while, and even if he could be pretty good, like a a decent option to turn to, still not really like a top-of-the-rotation option like nobody really is right now because of all the mystery going on around the rotation. Herman was waived just now, so you don't even know if he's going to be able to come back, and he likely won't. I'll be surprised if he does, if they happen to get him back through free agency, if he does become one, but can't count on that. Frankie Montas is a free agent right now. You don't know if they'll bring him back on a prove-it deal. You also have them possibly trying Michael King out, but Michael King, after only having a handful of starts really towards the end of the season there, he had a decent amount of starts, but to have a full season's worth of starts, there would definitely be an innings limit on him, so you can't count on him pitching an entire season, going deep into games for the entire year like a regular starting pitcher. That's just not realistic. So, given all this, the Yankees need rotational help, even if some people are really not acknowledging it. They need help. So they need to bring in Yamamoto. They need to bring in at least one big-time outfielder. Obviously, we all know the one that I want. I want Soto like I've almost wanted nobody else in baseball ever. (laughs) So I definitely think the Yankees need to make a trade for him. Like I've said, I'm willing to give up just about anybody not named Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole. I'm tired of holding back on needed acquisitions for the Yankees, holding on to too many players. I'm tired of it. You've got to put aside your personal loves for certain players sometimes and do what is necessary to give yourself a winning team. And I'm ready to do that with Juan Soto. I've been ready to do it for certain players for years now that the Yankees have not been willing to do it with. But here we are now with the possibility to to do it with Soto. We keep on hearing rumors about the Yankees being interested in him and having preliminary talks with San Diego about him. Well, if any of this holds any water, then the Yankees should be willing to do just about anything, including prospects. I'm sure San Diego will want major league ready players or proven veterans Maybe as long as it doesn't cost them that much money, because to the best of my understanding, they're also looking to shed payroll. So that's when the scenario that a lot of people have been speaking about with Rizzo kind of looks a little eh, because Rizzo makes 20 plus a year on average right now on his short contract with the Yankees that he signed last offseason at the same time that they signed Aaron Judge. So that two-year contract with the club option third year, So, I don't know, man, but when it comes to prospects, I also had people asking me, like, who you'd be willing to give up prospect-wise. They were like, oh, would you be willing to give up Spencer Jones, who in their system right now is number one? Yeah, I would. 
I would. Especially if you already plan on holding on to someone like Jason Dominguez if you're the Yankees, although it's a little uncertain with how much time it's going to take him to get better from the Tommy John surgery in 2024. If you're not going to give up the Martian, Jason Dominguez for him, and they still want like someone who is a promising outfielder and really moving up the ranks quickly, well, then Spencer Jones is their guy. I mean, I'd definitely be willing to give him up. If you want to stick with Jason Dominguez, Jason Dominguez is still a baby. If the Yankees keep him, he will be here for many years to come, especially if he is as successful as we are anticipating him to be. Then, yes, you could absolutely give up Spencer Jones. Because then you'll have Juan Soto and Jason Dominguez in your outfield. Like, hello? So you can't hold on to everybody, guys. You got to be willing to part with some big pieces if you want something big back in return. That's how trading works, at least if you want to do it right. So, yeah, I would be willing to give up someone like Spencer Jones. He's often referred to as one of the better two-way players in the year that he was drafted in 2019. And he's rising through the ranks, recently called up to AA, to the Somerset Patriots. And he's going to keep moving up because he's a talented kid. They want Spencer Jones, they want Everson Pereira, they want Chase Hampton, they want Drew Thorpe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to send all of them away all at once, you can't give away the entire system, but if they want two, three guys, four guys in the top ten, yeah, sure. (laughs) I mean, you have Trey Sweeney down there, you could offer him up, because you have Volpe at shortstop right now, if you're as committed to him as you are. Again, You don't need to have all these like crazy backups in the minor leagues if you have the guys who are there now who were in the minor leagues, top prospects who you expect to be there for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You don't need all these backups here if they can help you get someone elite that could change your entire ball club and get you to a championship. So just name them. And on the major league roster, like I said... Maybe one or two other guys outside of Judge or Cole. Give me slight pause, but even eventually, I'd probably say, yeah, sure. But more or less, outside of Judge and Cole, you get someone like Juan Soto. Organizational, changing, generational talent. You gotta be willing to give up just about anybody. Especially if you're the Yankees in the position they're in right now. You gotta you gotta grow a pair. You have to. Sorry. Soto's the one that I want. I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm not even saying that I believe realistically it could happen. It's just what I want. And what I feel could definitely get the Yankees closest and soonest to a championship of all the options. He's the best one out there, in my opinion. If San Diego would be willing to deal. Time will tell. So Yamamoto... Soto, at least. They get Bellinger. I wouldn't hate it. At least they're doing something. Like I've said, I have voiced my concerns about Bellinger in the past that people are quick to forget that prior to 2023, for three straight years, he was a nightmare. Regressed heavily after 2019. From 2020 to 2022, bro was a nightmare. And he bounces back this year in 2023, which could ultimately lead to him getting a very big contract, and possibly regressing all over again, like we've seen for years before this one. So that gives me some pause, but it's better than doing absolutely nothing, if you ask me. But again, 
could end up being another situation where we end up clowning on the Yankees for making another bad, big contract. That's why I just think Soto would be the better move, man. So I wouldn't despise Bellinger. I'd just be a bit afraid of it. I would definitely rather Juan Soto. Definitely. At least. So you got Yamamoto to bulk up the rotation. Take away some of the mystery. Even though he'd be some mystery himself because... He would be adjusting to the United States. It's never a guarantee that an adjustment would go smooth, despite how highly everybody's talking of him, and it is very positive. So I'm not saying he'll he'll just tank when he gets here, but it's not a guarantee either. There's always the adjustment of pitching every seven days over there as opposed to every five days here. That's usually an adjustment for these guys coming over here to the States. So it's also some things are up in the air there, but with the elite talent that we keep on hearing that he is, It's better than sitting there and doing nothing and going with all the question marks that the current Yankee rotation has. you got to do something. So, those are the moves that I feel definitely need to happen. When it comes to all the other positions, you know, I suppose especially if the concussion thing works out well and if Rizzo's not dealt in the Soto package like some people are fantasizing about, you still have Rizzo at first base, Glaber at second, Volpe at short. Third base is an interesting one. Obviously, you could put DJ there most of the time, or you could have Peraza be there, like he was for much of the end of the year. Right field, you'll have Aaron Judge, obviously. Center field will be a bit of a head-scratcher, depending on the move that they make, whether it be Soto, Bellinger, someone else, especially with Dominguez taking probably at least half the season to recover from Tommy John surgery. So, And left field, whoever else they get, Bellinger, Soto. So that's why I'm saying center field and left field, at least one outfielder. At least A lot of question marks here. Bullpen I mostly feel comfortable with. I mean, they are losing Wandy to free agency as of now. If they don't get him back and somebody else signs him, they will be losing him. But otherwise, the Yankees have had a bullpen that's near or at the top for years now. It's not towards the top of the list of my concerns when it comes to the Yankees ever, really. Never hurts to bolster it up, but... It's not towards the top of my concerns. The Yankees have much bigger fish to fry. Even towards the front office and the top of the organization as well, obviously. But I'm just speaking on the field as of now. But at least one outfielder and at least one pitcher. My preferences, Yamamoto and Soto. Those are my preferences. They only get Heimer Candelario. They only get Kevin Kiermeyer. They don't really improve in pitching. You're going to hear me doing a lot of ranting this offseason. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that I won't have a right to do it. Especially after 2023, you could go scratch with that. I will be a very unhappy fan. Very unhappy. So, those are my ideas. And I had a feeling when I saw your question, Rebecca, that that would be one of those questions that I take damn near 10 minutes to answer because it's just very vague and my mind just wanders and continues to just... You get it. Up next, we have at C. Kalath. Kalath? Sorry if I botched your last name, bro. He asks, does Sean Casey's resignation increase the chance of Boone being fired? No. (laughs) No, Boone's not going anywhere. I'll be pleasantly surprised if he does. Not to say that I think it'll cause an extreme amount of change, because we all know what I think will cause an extreme amount of change, and that's not the only thing that could. A lot more will have to be done. But I also don't expect it to happen at all, and I don't expect Casey not coming back after all, after early reports suggested that he was coming back. And then obviously last week I revealed 
after the report saying that he wasn't, that he's not. But I don't think it has anything to do with it. So, no, I do not think that increases the chances at all. At Laura underscore Icemont asks, are there any free agents that you'd like the Yankees to sign? Well, Soto's not a free agent. They'd have to get him via trade and sign him long-term after. That's my wish for that, so that doesn't count. Free agent will have to be Yamamoto. That's the biggest one for the starting rotation. That's the biggest. And for the Cody Bellinger fans out there, that'll be via free agency as well. You'll have to sign him, but I'd rather Soto over him, so I can't say that. If Soto doesn't end up happening, then yeah, I guess you sign Bellinger. You can't do nothing. You just can't. Can't get away with that if you're the Yankees. So, Yamamoto's the biggest one, Laura. That's the only one I care for as of right now that could make legitimate difference with the Yankees. As time goes along, I'm sure I'll come up with more, but that's the biggest one right now and has been for some time. At Rebirth Chaos 09, my buddy James asks, will the Yankees make any moves of significance? And if the Yankees don't win a World Series by 2026... How dark is their future? We talked about this. Yeah, we did. James and I are friends in real life. Beyond Twitter from where we originally met, James is one of those people. Good friend of mine. And we did speak on our own time when we were hanging out just a couple of weeks ago. And I had said that if the Yankees don't win in the next maybe three, four years, 2026-ish, then the Yankees are going to be in a bad spot organizationally because the centerpieces of their team in Judge and Cole will probably be transitioning out of, if not already out of, their primes by that time. And if the Yankees haven't made any other significant moves to bolster up the team by then, and you don't have Judge and Cole at their best because they are naturally aging and declining, and everybody else, possibly others, are even older than them, then the Yankees are going to be in a bad spot, (laughs) and their future could get dark. So, yeah, I'm still sticking by that. If the Yankees don't win by 26, 27, something like that, and nothing else is done in the meantime to significantly bolster up the team, and they don't have a promising future immediately with prospects or anything like that, depending on what happens in potential trade deals in the years to come. I mean, who knows? So many different scenarios could play out to fruition. But it could get really dark. It really could, man. So I'm still sticking to that, yeah. And the Yankees making any moves of significance, they better. (laughs) They better. That's really all I can say. I mean, I don't see them doing as much as I want. I don't realistically see them bringing in Soto and Yamamoto like I'd love. I don't see them going that nuts, but... I mean, at least one of them better happen. Because <laughs> like I said, if all they do is like get Heimer Candelario or just get Kevin Kiermeyer and say, yeah, we're, we're good to go. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you are not. <sighs> so, we'll see. But yeah, will they make any moves? They freaking better. Tina at MountainGal456 asks, Are you willing to give up a number of important young players and prospects for Soto? Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Tina. Yes, I would. (laughs) Already said that before, and I stick by it. It depends which one, of course. I'm not going to give up, like, one through six all at once, plus Major League Ready Talent. But they ask for maybe two, three top tens, plus Major League Ready Talent, depending on who it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking doing it. I am doing it. It's always a bit difficult to come up with all these trade packages and plug them into these sites that evaluate player values and everything to see if it would be a fair trade for both sides or one side over the other. 
because sometimes those sites aren't always accurate either, so it's tough to always say, like, specific names. But, yeah, if, like, a package came across where they said they wanted Spencer Jones and Drew Thorpe and maybe another top 10 and a couple of major league-ready guys or maybe even just a fourth prospect and just one major league-ready guy, I'd probably pull the trigger, guys, in most cases, in almost any case. Yeah, I would. I freaking would. It's just what you got to do. You got to grow a pair. You have to do what's necessary sometimes, even if it's tough and you have your personal attachments. Spencer at Musician DMD asks, when the season ends, I really miss the routine, changing out my jacket and tie, slipping on my cap and jersey, stripes for home games, gray for away, and settling into a Yankee game. These days with some Twitter or X interaction, what specifically do you miss during the offseason? I miss everything, man. I miss the ups and the downs. I miss watching even other games outside of just the Yankees. I miss the constant baseball discussion invading my social media timelines like you just said about Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's calling itself these days amidst its identity crisis. But yeah, I more or less miss much of the same. I really do. Coming home from work and knowing that the Yankees are coming on in about an hour or so, that there's baseball tonight and especially if it's a big game or just a playoff hunt at the end of the year or the playoffs themselves. And I just miss it all. But a big positive is that one of the most exciting parts of the year for me all the time is when baseball returns, the anticipation of spring training coming back, everybody reporting to camp, the game starting back up and the buildup for the season after that. That's what's next up, even if it's months away still, which is depressing. I do have that to look forward to as the next thing happening. And that's what I tried to think about as baseball leaves me, the anticipation of it coming back and the exciting stuff that might happen in the offseason to carry me through it all. And obviously, I have other things throughout the rest of my life to help me out with that because it really is a tough time for me to get through, believe it or not. Baseball does mean that much to me. Um, it does dominate my life that much, <laughs> as sad as that may be to some people. But yeah, a lot of the same, bro. A lot of the same. I miss it. So hope that answers the question. Up next, we have at Nolik11 asking, do you think Heimer Candelario would be a good fit? I mean, maybe if a bunch of other moves were made, but not on its own, or maybe beside a move for Kevin Kiermeyer or something like that. No, I'd freaking hate it. <laughs> the Yankees need a lot more help other than just that. A lot more. So it depends on the scenario for him, I guess. I'll stick to that sort of answer. I don't think he's a bad player, but... I guess I guess that's the way I feel about that. At Matthew five forty two seven five five zero asks, who would you realistically give up to get Soto? Players and prospects. Also, what would Soto's contract look like if he was a Yankee? Well, yeah, obviously it'd have to be extended upon becoming a Yankee, especially if the Yankees end up giving up a crap ton for him. But like I said before, I mean, if they want a package of let's say Spencer Jones, Drew Thorpe. Maybe a Trey Sweeney thrown into there. Chase Hampton. And maybe one major league ready person like Anthony Rizzo. Or maybe they want... I've heard some people talk about maybe including a Michael King in there. Or Johnny Brito. Or like I said before, if they want like an Everson Pereira as well. Someone who's like major league ready and has played in major league baseball games. Has shown promise. Maybe even Oswald Peraza. If you don't have 
real aspirations in keeping him up here and having him get consistent looks at a particular position and having him be a legitimate part of the Yankees team like the Yankees have alluded to in the past, saying, oh yeah, he's going to be a part of the middle infield in the future. If you don't have any real aspirations of doing that, and you can include him into a Juan Soto package potentially and have the Padres be into it, you do it. You do it. And I know that they have their aspirations of Michael King being a part of the rotation, but if you pick up someone like Yamamoto, especially in that event, and someone like Michael King will help push the deal across the finish line, someone with that kind of potential, he is very valuable as an aspiring starter potentially and a huge multi-inning bullpen option. And you have the prospects that I've already mentioned down in the minors with some legitimate promise. You pull the trigger. You do it. You do it. So some of those names, let me put a package together, I guess. Someone like Michael King and or Johnny Brito. And let's maybe also throw in if they want Spencer Jones or Everson Pereira for outfield help. Or if they want to look to the pitching future, maybe a Drew Thorpe. These are moves that I'd make. Those are people I'd get rid of. Maybe even a Chase Hampton for more pitching help. So maybe three minor league guys. Two major league guys. Big package. Do it. I feel like Palpatine. Do it. But yeah, i do a package like that. I would. So there's a lot of different names you could throw around with each other. And it's just a lot. It's, it's annoying to put trade packages together. But yeah, something like that. I would realistically give up a package like that. You'd have to give, you'd have to give away some things that sting for someone like Juan Soto. You'd have to. And then afterwards... Especially if you do do that, then you would have to make sure you sign him long term. You have to. So I hope that answers your question, Matthew. Let's see if we could do any others. We are running towards an hour 10 here. So I think I'll wrap up with our usual final two and keep this to a respectable time length. What do you say? (laughs) So to those who I did not get to, I do apologize. You know what I always tell you all the time. Just keep on interacting with each and every social media segment every week. I will get to all of you eventually, guys. You know that. That does not mean I appreciate your interactions any less. I still appreciate you more than you could possibly know for even taking a minute to interact with this segment or the show at any capacity. You know that. First up, and you heard her last week, my amazing girlfriend, Vic Salimo. At Vic Salimo says, what do you think the Yankees will do or should do this offseason to make a winning team for next year? What are you hoping for? Well, I did kind of answer this before, but want Juan Soto. I want Yoshinobu Yamamoto. That'll help out the rotation. That'll be the outfield. There are a lot of people saying bring in Soto and Bellinger. I really doubt they do that. <laughs> I really doubt that. That'd be crazy if they did. But I think they're probably just going to find someone to cover center field in the meantime until Jason Dominguez is ready to come back. And then if they get Soto or Bellinger, I guess they'll rock the outfield of Judge. Jason Dominguez and whoever else they get, whether it be Soto or Bellinger who, or whoever else, if they get a Kevin Kiermeyer or what have you, then they'll figure out a way to do that, I suppose. Really hope it's Soto, though. Really hope so. And who they choose to cover in the outfield until Dominguez gets better in the event that they do this could be Florial, could be someone else. Who knows? Who knows what they do? Those are the two big moves that I hope they do. If they are to do something else on top of that, I would love that. If they want to do that and then get Heimer Candelario, maybe, then I'd be fine with Candelario. (laughs) But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. They also have, you know, they have a lot of players right now, and that's why a trade would be best for Juan Soto, especially 
Because if they don't, if some of these kids that they have, if they don't see them being legitimate plans in the future, don't hold on to them and ruin them, give them away to somewhere where they could succeed while the Yankees get ever closer, inevitably, to a championship with someone as elite as Juan Soto to help lead the way. It's what you got to do. So, those are just a bit of my thoughts. We'll see. And last but certainly not least, as we also heard on the show last week, my amazing mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and she asks, Now that the World Series is over, how quickly do you think it'll take before we may see any positive movement or new decisions starting in this Yankees organization? Also, did you enjoy the playoffs and World Series as much as I did, even if the Yankees weren't a part of it? I loved when the Astros were eliminated, hoping the front office makes big changes finally, ones that will do this team good. And thanks for having me on last week. I had a blast. Mom, I had the blast of a lifetime with you and Victoria last week as well. I'm glad you had as much fun as I did, and as much fun as everybody apparently had listening to you, because apparently you guys were a big hit. And again, that will definitely not be the last time that that happens. Definitely want to incorporate you guys on the show yet again. That was freaking awesome. But yeah, let me get to some of these questions that you had. So, how long before any positive movement or movement at all new decisions take place? So, it could be a few weeks. Usually, there's a little bit of a lull, like right after the World Series ends. Because, you know, people have to announce, teams have to put their free agents out there. If they waive anybody, then do that. The award winners usually come out and things settle for a bit after the World Series. And then you start to see the discussions heat up a bit. Maybe some things happening. But, so yeah, it's a little bit of a lull usually. I'd say at least another two to four weeks. I guess. I I think that's safe to say. Did I enjoy the playoffs and World Series as much as you did? Yeah, I definitely did. I always enjoy the playoffs and World Series, even if it sucks that the Yankees aren't in it. I really did enjoy it. I, too, took great pleasure in watching the Astros get eliminated, being up 3-2, to two, coming home, and choking it away. That was a great pleasure. The playoffs overall were a lot of fun. Rangers winning was very nice. Epic win. And they definitely made it apparent that they were the best team around, especially in the World Series. They were the better team. World Series was fun, even though it was only five, and some of the games were not competitive. I still think it was fun. Definitely know that it wasn't that way for a lot of others, especially as far as viewership around the country, because, you know, the Texas Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks, just in general, those two regions and and names, that's not going to draw a lot of viewership in itself. I do know that the World Series had some of the lowest viewership of all time. Not good for baseball, definitely. Like, no major, major team or market was in it. Texas is a pretty big market, but, I mean... You know, it's not a New York team, or it's not the Philadelphia Phillies, it's not the Boston Red Sox, it's not the Los Angeles Dodgers, or a California team. You know, it's so it's. I understand that that in itself also affects it, but the World Series itself, some would argue, some of the games were not competitive. It was only five games, so some would argue that that didn't help, and I can't necessarily argue against that. But I just love baseball so much that I still find aspects to enjoy, so I did enjoy it, and. Hoping the front office makes big changes. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe they overhaul the analytics department a little bit. I doubt anything's going to happen to Cashman or his immediate brain trust. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. And unfortunately, you all know that I think that that'll result in not too many different things taking place. With the Yankees, I don't think it'll change much as long as Cashman and his big guys are still around him. But that's that. I think I answered all your questions, Mom. <laughs> But thank you for all those, and thank you all for all of your questions 
Of course, another great Q&A. It's always awesome addressing your questions. You all ask good ones because you're all smart out there. Like I always say, I'm very lucky to have the listenership that I do. And this one proves it yet again, this Q&A. But as of now, my friends, with that being said, covered just about everything today. That is all for episode 201 of Yapping Yankees Today. So with that being said, I want to also remind you that if you do not follow me on all social medias, you should immediately. My Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter, or X, or whatever the hell it's called these days, is at Mike Scudero. And my Instagram is MikeScuds97. Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it is available on. That is YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Be sure to show your love across all four like you all always do such a great job at doing, my friends. And if you also have the time and you have missed any past Yapping Yankees episodes, please be sure to go back and listen to those if you so please. Episodes 34 up to episode 201 today are available on YouTube. And every single episode for almost the last four and a half years going all the way back to episode one, all the way up to today, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But once again... I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my good people, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you in two Sundays because, again, we are returning to off-season format bi-weekly here on Yapping Yankees unless something major happens, at which point I will be back at you next Sunday, November 12th. But otherwise, I will talk to you in two Sundays on November the 19th when I come at you with episode 202 of Yapping Yankees. It's still an adjustment, just really acknowledging the fact I'm in the 200s. It's crazy. (laughs) It really is. But until then, guys, as always, hang in there. Be patient. Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, as I always say. And let's just continue to stay glued to social media, the beat reporters, and all that crap about the offseason, what happens, who wins the remainder of the awards, and anything and everything the Yankees may potentially do to finally improve this dreadful team. (laughs) We'll never know until it happens, but until it does happen, we will obviously be here with each and every Yapping Yankees episode throughout the entire offseason to talk about it, what could happen, what does happen in actuality as it actually does take place. But until then, as always, we'll just take it day by day, week by week, episode by episode, month by month. And you know what? Before we know it, guys, because of how fast time goes, we'll be getting ready for spring training. Just got to start thinking of it like that. Certainly doesn't help, though, when you see the sun going down in the 5 o'clock hour now, now that we turn the clocks back again just last night. So we have that again. In a few weeks, hell, the sun will be gone by 4 freaking 30. Can't wait for that. And by can't wait, I mean I'm just about ready to jump off my roof over it because it depresses the hell out of me. But we'll get through it, guys. We will get back to the days where it's June and the sun is still out at 9 p.m. <laughs> we'll get back to that. But for now, we got to get through the offseason and the winter first. Then we'll be just fine doing so week by week here on Yapping Yankees, right? All right, it's time for me to shut my pie hole. Have a good next two weeks, guys. <laughs> Unless, of course, something big happens this week, in which case I'll be back at you next Sunday. But otherwise, I will talk to you all on the 19th. As always, take care. And let's go Yanks.